0: Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, the European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre, and what a great show we have today. We close the mini-series on success stories of liberal parties in the Alda Party family, and this time we will talk about the impressive results and work done by the Reform Party in Estonia. For that, I have Stan Lansu with us. He's the international officer of the Reform Party. He's also a campaign advisor at the European Parliament, former advisor to party leader Kaja Kalash, and also former campaign advisor to the party. So we have the right person to talk about what Reform Party has been doing that has been reaching the electorate in Estonia. Also, this conversation was recorded during the Alla Party Congress in Stockholm. And with that, we're going to close this topic. I hope we can come back to it soon. Just as a reference as I record these words in the last polls of the intention for voting in European Parliament, and this using as reference the website politico.europe, the ECR, which is European Conservative and Reformist, and the ID group, which is the Identity and Democracy, together would be the second biggest political family in the European Union. And I'm sure, dear listener, that I don't have to explain to you how troubling this is for us liberals and democrats. So we have a lot of work to do. We still have some time, but not that much. So please join us in this important time for the future of the European Union project. Now it's time to bring Stan Lentzou. And remember, after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of November. I'm here with Sten Lundson. Sten, thank you so much for coming to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to have you here and to talk about something really important, which is the success that the reform part has been having in, in Estonia, also thinking about the European elections. But all before all that, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was the path that you took to get to the point that we're now talking on the pod?
1: So I think... I got into politics when I was fairly young. I was 15 at the time when I joined the youth wing of the party and sort of got acquainted with the Reform Party. And once I found myself there, I started thinking and started feeling, oh, I kind of I like this. And that's how I sort of went, went from there. And in the end, I worked a number of jobs in politics. I was a campaign advisor for my party and also worked as a policy advisor in the parliament and now have ended up on your podcast. So it's been a wonderful journey so far.
0: Well, it's not, I hope, the, the pinnacle of the journey <laughs> coming to my podcast, but I appreciate you being here. Uh, this is amazing. 15 years old. So did that was always with you, like your family? Were you guys very political uh, as you were growing up? And
1: as you have 15 years old, what drew your attention to politics? So my family was not actually that political. They were not party members. Of course, they actively voted, but there was nothing too special about my family at that point. But I was kind of active in the society. I was always on student councils. I was taking initiatives. I was very interested in what went on uh, in my hometown. Uh, and I saw that, saw that as a next step to sort of take it a bit further and to have a say in things that really mattered to me. So, and then I found out that, okay, the Reform Party, uh, its views, liberalism, this is what I think, how things should be, and I felt very comfortable going in that direct- direction. Uh, even before we talk about uh,
0: the Reform Party, and you just mentioned that you are were interested about what they're doing, we're getting ready for an election cycle that will take us to the European elections. You have been politically active, you have been politically interested, you have working for a change. So tell us, uh, what is at stake in your opinion on this particular European election for the European Parliament?
1: So I think the European election is always a very tough election, especially from a national standpoint, because in the end, it is the the national countries that vote for the European Parliament. That means there's always a national and a local element to it in each of those elections. And I do feel that it is the same for this time. I think that the way we want to move forward with the European Union is what is the broader sort of discussion. And by that, I mean two things. Of course, there is the ongoing war in Ukraine and that has got us thinking, how do we want to see European defence? And the second part uh, also connected with that is also how do we see our own sustainability in terms of energy, our own self-sufficiency in that? And how are we going to survive crisis in the future
0: now let's talk about the reform party and (laughs) i hope i'm not offending anyone but your party is the squirrel party
1: (laughs) that's correct
0: (laughs) i didn't want my my translation to get me into trouble
1: (laughs) the squirrel party It's, it's Quite a, a funny name for a party. Uh, so tell us how the squirrel party was born. Yeah, so um, the the reason for this is because our party logo is a squirrel. Um, <laughs> we have an animal for our logo. I think it represents the party quite well. It sort of symbolizes the flexibility, mm. the eagerness, the agility that we want to sort of represent, and the sort of a fun-loving outlook on, on politics and, and life in general. So I think it represents us quite well. And in a European perspective, the Reform Party is still quite young, maybe that young anymore, but we were founded in the 90s, in 1994. And back then, we started out actually as a rather niche party. Um, we were going to be the liberal party. We had just Estonia had just come out of the Soviet Union. It was the re- re-independence. So the general topic was, how are we going to rebuild the country? We're going to restructure the society. And our goal was always to look to the economic solution. So we started out as a very... Economic finance-focused party uh, dealing with taxes. How are we going to build up the country and that sort of um, sort of view? And throughout the years, we have grown a lot in terms of topics, in terms of expertise that we have. So it's been a wonderful journey for the reform party so far, and I hope we continue to grow as well.
0: Oh, absolutely! Uh, <laughs> squirrel party—the only thing that I think is funny about it. But uh, again, I don't want to like hurt your feelings. But there's like that meme with squirrel. <laughs> 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 But this is a joke, listeners. No. We're just kidding here. But you were saying that born in a modest way, but then you grow and you grow. And the party has been having 27%, 28%, and now 31% of the electorate. So something is working. Tell us then how the Reform Party reached the voters and, and increased the voting share.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think over the years and over the election cycles, we have actually grown in terms of the expertise that we have. So as I mentioned, we started out as, as a very economic focused party like one of the main sort of goals of the party was to for example lower the income tax from 26% to 20% uh, throughout the year so we always were a very financial focused party we wanted very clear finances for the uh, for the country no debt we wanted a very very stable sort of feeling and that's what formed the base of what, what reform party was and after 2007 in 2015 we started to also expand our expertise to other topics, to defense, which was very important at the time, and not only have financial experts, but also experts um, who used to work in the defense field come and and be candidates for the Reform Party. And now we've also expanded into social topics as well, which have maybe uh, in the beginning not been in the focus of, of the Reform Party program, but now we see it as a whole package. So we have gradually expanded the scope of the topics that the one party covers. But not only that, we have gathered experts uh, in politics and outside to sort of lead those topics as well. So it's a whole package of sort of developing the party.
0: Let me stay here for a second because I'm very interested in this because this is a mini series about success of political parties. You were mentioning the expertise. How do you get that expertise? Meaning that do you work in-house to develop Do you reach people and then try to convince them that they should be working with the Reform Party? Tell us a little bit how that works.
1: I think there's um, a dual-sided dynamic to that in a sense that, for example, when we started out with economic topics, it was a lot of people from the banking sector that sort of founded the party uh, and started talking about these finances and in the end became uh, as very well-known politicians. So there's two sides to that, in my opinion. The first is that you have to have very qualified politicians themselves Mm -hmm. who are actually taking their topic seriously and have been in politics and have sort of this baggage and voters and uh, nobility and well-knownness to them and at the same time the reform party is always thinking about okay but we want people who come from outside of politics as well who have expertise in in business or what is happening outside in ngos in civil society And we want them to join us to give that sort of outside of looks as well. So for us, it's always a sort of a mixture of that, of having people who have been in politics for a long time and people who bring that sort of new and freshness to it as well. It's
0: fascinating. I feel like I have to ask one more question. And that is, yes, but some of those experts that you see you know, acting in Estonian society and you think they have something to bring, not all of them have liberal tendencies. Even if, you know, if you're associated with the market, then, yeah, probably there's a lot of uh, liberal ideas that work for those people. But let's say, and you, you said it, you expanded it to defense, you expanded it to social issues. Let's say that there's an expert in defense. But that expert is more like conservative or more into the vein of like a social democrat. Do you still work with those people? Do you you buy them a service? Or if they're not joining, then you just read what they write and and use it?
1: So, yes, I do think it's important to to work with them. And we do work with them. At the same time, the people that we do want to run in the party, we, we see that the liberalism is still the core. We do want people to be liberal at heart. And, of course, there's always... You don't have to agree with everything i mean it, so i think it goes it's a two-way street as well i think a person who is coming from outside of politics uh and if we see that okay he feels like a liberal person uh, and has liberal values at heart then this is something that you can also expand upon and and sort of introduce him to what that really means and then people say oh yeah i do think this is like me uh so so we do want to keep that core of liberalism the core values have to be there because uh, i don't think you can you can just have a a party that is composed of everybody we've seen that as well i mean actually in, in even in estonian politics with new parties starting out there is always this thing that you gather a lot of new people who are very eager to start a party but then they don't have that sense of okay but what is our sort of what are we are we conservative are we more liberal so i think this has to be really clear from the get go what what is the aim of what you're doing and then the experts have to come on top of that very good
0: great answer Now, you're saying that there were crises. You just mentioned that on your preamble. Uh, One of the crises necessarily was happening in Ukraine, and you guys have Russia as your neighbors, uh, in this election of March of 2023, this was uh, undoubtedly one of the most important issues, and I I follow the work that you guys do, and I do understand that that was one of the ways that you reach uh, the Estonians and saying, hey, we have solutions for this problem. So, how do you craft then those messages? So when you think about crisis, for example, inflation crisis or a health crisis like we have with COVID, so how do, how do you tote that balance between freedom, between liberal values, between running a country, <laughs> per
1: se, offering yourself
0: to run a country?
1: um Yes, because I think that is a very important topic that you raised. Because that is the first step; you have to identify. What are the main concerns of your constituents, of your citizens? Obviously, for the last elections, for the 23 elections in Estonia, it was the the defense issues. Ukraine was uh, being invaded by Russia. And at the same time, you know, people had these very economic, down-to-earth, at-home issues as well, because inflation in Estonia was over 24%. So that hit people very hard. Um, And you had to understand that, okay, even though people were very strongly about supporting Ukraine, you have to take into account that it's also hitting them very, um, very hardly. So, yeah, so that is the first part. And then I don't think there is a controversy between keeping the liberal values and trying to solve the crisis that is going on in the world. Because the way we said it was, you know, we are trying to keep Estonia safe. Uh, and that is, the, that is the core, you know, that is liberal as well. Um, so there's not a controversy there. And our main message to the people was to keep Estonia in safe hands, a very two-topic message for us. to First, for the defense part, to keep national defense, uh, to invest in, in new defense technologies and to counter future threats that, that we might have in the EU and in Estonia. And the second part was the economic livelihood because this is a defense issue as well. Because if your people are not comfortable uh, economically and are suffering, then this is going to cause you a lot of problems in long term. So we were discussing about energy, sustainability, how do we keep that independence Uh, What do we do in the future? Where do we invest? And how do we alleviate the pain that you are facing now? And this is, at core, I still believe, a very liberal thing to do. Absolutely. But again, how do you reach people then? And we're going to talk about the
0: European Union in a second. But definitely people, Estonian, listen to the Reform party and they voted and they trusted your party and your prime minister to deliver those solutions. So tell us a little bit how, come across that void, which is people having their concerns, people having their livelihoods, and then all of a sudden there's a snap election and it's like, okay, I have to think about this again Now let me see what is the best message.
1: Yeah, I think it still come down to, and I can tie that up a little bit, what I discussed earlier, because when you have experts in your party in topics, then that makes them believable as well. And that's how we saw those two coins as well, because we had a lot of defense experts uh, that we also started in 2015 during the, uh, during the last national elections, or the ones before even. Um, because at the time, Ukraine was being um, invaded by Russia again in Crimea, um, and that caused a lot of tensions in Estonia as well. That is why we this was a very important topic in Estonia, and, and we saw it as an important topic for, for our voters as well. And that is how the defense part sort of started. So we all already had credibility in that to talk about defense issues in Estonia. We've been very vocal about it. We've been Kaya has been very vocal about what she thinks of the war going on, being a sort of leader in, in Europe uh, affairs as well. And people take that very seriously. They see the credibility that she has and that she brings to the table in, in her trustworthiness as well. And at the same time, w- with that being said, we also did that for the economic topics, that we keep Estonia in safe hands. We keep us in safe hands in terms of defense, but we also keep the citizens' livelihood. And, and that is a great
0: point, uh, Stan, mm-hmm. because one of the things that the populists have, which is, it's it's all so easy, they have all these messages, but they have no substance behind it, because they don't do that work that you just mentioned, which is the work of having not only the know-how, but to how to transform that know-how to policy, and then sell that policy to the uh, Estonians, or you know, to Portuguese or to Italians or whatever it is. So, uh, you guys do a tremendous work on that one. Now, let's move to the European elections. Uh, Your party has two MEPs. The challenge will be to maintain them, if possible, to increase that number. How do you prepare those elections? You just said a minute ago, and and very um, interestingly so, because I was gonna bring this up now, which is there is always... A local component. There's always a state, regional, member state component to it. But
1: do you make a distinction? Do you meld the two things in just one message? So I would say that, that yes, there is a very strong national component in that. So the way I, I sort of see it is that during the European elections, we, we start out with, with what the European Union actually brings to the table for our national context. What are the benefits for, for the people? And then from there, we can sort of discuss what are the issues that we are facing as a country, as a union, and how do we sort of tackle that? But we put it in a national context. So, for example, again, the issues that we have now, the crisis, they are going to continue up to the European elections most likely. That is the question of defence, energy independence. Inflation, economic well-being, uh, these are the issues most concerning to Estonian citizens and, you, and, and and actually European citizens in general, who over 90% have said in the latest uh, counter-study that they think that their economic well-being is the most pressing issue. Um, so I would say that these are, are the core of, of what is going to happen, especially in terms of the Estonian elections. The EU benefits is just amazing,
0: an amazing mm-hmm. point. For example, in Portugal, it's quite hard to have
1: a message that people will understand the benefits of the EU. It's easier in Estonia? Um, the reason I said the benefits is because this has a very clear distinction as well for the parties. When we talk about the benefits of the EU, we talk about you know free trade, economic growth, what it means for us. Because the EU invests a lot in Estonia. This means that people can travel, can work abroad, can do all those stuff. But the far right, you know, their message don't really support that. So a lot of the times the far right Estonian party, for example, is talking about, okay, but they don't feel the same way they think that Estonia might even uh, step out of the EU, that this is not the best option for Estonia, that we should be out of this sort of uh, collaboration with the other countries. So this is a very clear distinction for us. And when we talk about the benefits, we show that, okay, but, you know, the far-right, they don't feel that way. So in terms of the voters, it's actually a very important topic to show that, okay, what the EU brings to the table and, and what it offers is not clear for all the political parties. So you have to be very clear about okay, what are you actually choosing? So are you focusing your messaging then
0: on presenting an alternative to a more anti-Europe or Eurosceptic? It's the diplomatic word to to put it. But so, or do you have all these messages running? Because one of the things about political science is that you shouldn't have too many messages. Because if there is too many messages, people get confused, they don't, they don't get, you know, the, the, the more clear picture. So again, is the Reform Party presenting to the Estonian electorate, we are an alternative to this Eurosceptic anti-Europe movements we see in our country and this connects to the benefits? Or you just go, this is what we think, this is what we value, this is what we defend, vote on us
1: because of that.
0: Because I know it, it looks like a, di- a distinction without a difference, but actually there is one.
1: I would say there is one, and I would say it is more the first approach. The Reform Party is the most pro-European party, and we are very much the, the alternative to a pro-Russian approach uh, to say something like that. Um, so yes, we make a very clear distinction in that, and these are the values that we stand for, um, and this is the, the opposite of, of what the far-right stands for. Very good. One last question on this particular regarding messaging. So apart from
0: this alternative, how can you broadcast what your MEPs are doing in European Parliament? What is the European Parliament doing? Do Estonian people have a picture of the importance of the... European Parliament and having more MEPs there?
1: So even though the support for the European Union in Estonia is higher than the EU average, so so it is very high, but, but even though I don't think that the people in general know what is happening, for example, inside the European Parliament before it sort of hits the national level, and it's only so few legislation that actually sort of does that. Uh, some of the um, green transition legislation definitely is is more interesting to the media and more interesting to talk about because it affects how people are going to have to rebuild their homes for example um, so this is definitely a case for some topics but not all of them definitely. I think the key to that is that the European parliament members have to be more present in their national countries to sort of still act as politicians because once you get, we always have this saying that that the European parliament members and mem- parliaments of mem- members of parliament in general, get stuck uh, in in the walls of the the parliament. They have to go out and you have to meet people in your constituency, you have to meet your voters, you have to be um, among the people to sort of do that work yourself, because even if the topics seem really difficult or you don't understand that, you still see that the person you voted for is doing the work. And I think that that is something that our MEPs are doing quite well, because even though we, we don't necessarily explain in great detail what what the legislation means or what they're doing they're still showing that yes i'm fighting for these three things this is the work that i'm doing in the european parliament for for you
0: that's a great point because i was trying to make exactly that connection and you just brought something to the table that i think our listeners and particularly people are interested in the political process can uh, take home which is not to have that bubble both perceived and real So bring people, bring your MEPs, maybe other MEPs. Even uh, I'm, I'm thinking that a country could be maybe invite an MEP from Estonia, and have that MEP in their home countries, talking about Russia, for example.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, I think that's an absolutely great idea, and and we are always ready to talk about uh, foreign politics.
0: Yes, I had uh, MEP Urna Paet. Yeah. Uh, on the podcast and he was amazing and please uh, send my best to him as we are getting to the end of our time together and this is amazing thank you so much for doing this and of course best of luck for the the squirrels now uh tell our listeners where people can follow you for example the party online. I know that Kaja, the Prime Minister, and we admire her immensely in Portugal, I can tell you that, (laughs) and all across Europe. But I'm sure there's layers where people can know more about your party and the work that you guys do. So please tell us uh, where we can find you online.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the easiest way to, to find us is is on Facebook and Instagram for the Reform Party accounts. And definitely uh, follow Kaya Kala's on Instagram because she has uh, amazing content and, and stories to showcase what is happening in Estonian politics, but also her work in on the European level. So So I think that is the most interesting to follow up. And you? I can be followed on Instagram and, and Facebook as well, definitely. I showcase a lot of stories of my European uh, politic affairs, so to absolutely, if uh, you feel that, then absolutely. Uh,
0: this was amazing. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I've been talking with Stan Lanzu. As you can see, we're in good hands uh, with all this young generation of liberals and politicians uh, showing us the way, Stan, uh,
1: to be continued. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>
0: I'm back, just a reminder that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of November. On the 15th of November, from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Praga House in Brussels, we have the event The Future of European Integration of Ukraine. This is an organization from ELF and our friends from the Institute for Politics and Society from Prague in the Czech Republic. The topic of the conversation is how can we convince EU citizens to accept Ukraine into the European Union, which is the right thing to do? Also, is the EU structurally ready to accept the challenges of welcoming Ukraine to the EU family? And then on the following day, the 16th from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the Maison Grand Place in Brussels, organized by ELF, we have the event Technopolitics Forum 2023. Europe, it's a critical juncture. On one hand, we have digital transition. On the other hand, we need to have intelligent policy choices. This Technopolitics Forum, which is a flagship event from ELF, Gather experts, industry representatives, academics, and politicians that will discuss how new and future technology can influence traditional policy making. To know all about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. <laughs> This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament and have the support of the social liberal movement think tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.